Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Having trained more than 24,000 pets. Helping you and your fur babies thrive. Live in studio, it's Pet Talk Today with Will Bangura. Answering your pet behavior and training questions. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host and favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Saturday morning, it's August 7th. Thanks for tuning in and letting us be part of your Saturday morning. I'm your host, Will Bangora, and you're listening to Pet Talk Today here on 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Do you have a crazy cat or an out-of-control dog that desperately needs some training and behavior help? Are you just fed up with your pets just not listening? Maybe you've got a bird that's bonkers, a rabbit with bad habits. Maybe you've got a temperamental turtle. It doesn't matter what the problem is. doesn't matter what kind of pet you have. That's what we do here at Pet Talk today. We are here to help you deal with all of those unwanted behavior problems. If you've got a pet and you would like some advice about how to deal with a training and behavior issue, give us a call. If you're in Phoenix or the surrounding area, the number to call is 602-277-5369. That's 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix, you can call us toll-free. That number is 866-536-1100. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear about your Pets. With me today are my two co-hosts. I've got Jordan Marsteller here. Good morning. Good, good morning. Good morning. And I've got Brittany Duchesne. Brittany, how are you? I'm great. Oh, <laughs> the question is, how was the honeymoon? How was Hawaii? You're welcome back, by the way. You were welcome, welcome. Last week. It's good to be back. You were, oh, Hawaii wasn't good? No, I was about no, to say, you didn't want to stay? I, I have two boys, two dogs at home. I miss them so much. It's weird because like the entire time I couldn't yeah. stop thinking about about them. Yeah. Well, well you know, that's a dog that, person. That, yeah. 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 That's a dog person there. Yes, okay. but it was really good. Humid. But I I would take the Hawaiian humidity over the Arizona dry heat. Really? Oh yeah. Really? No, no, my okay, okay. my question for you, because I know you tan really easily. Okay. But, like orange. <laughs> but yeah, but you're really not all that tan. You're not as tan as what I expected. I know. That, guys, I was thinking the same thing. Did you get out of the hotel? I, that's what I'm assuming is she spent too much time in the hotel. I that's did. that's I got, what I was thinking. I got burned the first day and I, I had to stay out of the sun a little bit. Oh, so that's your that's easily. your story. That's, that's, that's the story. story. <laughs> that's the story. Right. Okay. Well, good. We're glad that you're back. Um, today we're going to be talking about and discussing um, the how and the what you need to do when you get a new puppy. Um, and we're going to talk all about puppies today. We're going to talk about puppies today and the do's and don'ts. Um, as some of you, if you're regular listeners, you know that uh, my wife decided a couple of weeks ago that she wanted a puppy of her own. She wanted that a puppy that would love her more than me. <laughs> we'll see about that. Um, hey, I told you, you're going to Hawaii, Will, so I can make sure that that happens. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> I have a wife. That's not happening. Um, but no, we're, we're getting a puppy. We're getting another schnauzer. We've already got a female schnauzer, Boo. Boo is about two years old and we're going to be getting a new puppy. Um, when we get the puppy, which will be the 16th of this month, just, uh, 
what next Monday? I yeah, that's yeah. Uh, and it's and right so the corner. we don't have a name picked out right now. We've got three. We've got Mister. We've got Dude. We've got Snoop. So we don't know what we're gonna name this this little boy when he comes. But um, yeah, we're getting it from Chapman Schnauzers in in Gilbert, and want to give a shout out to Kayla, who is an awesome breeder and producing some great. Uh, miniature schnauzers. Um, so, like I said, we want to talk about puppies today. Yes. Um, I thought it would be a good opportunity since, you know, we're getting a puppy. And there's a lot of people. And as I was thinking about puppies, I started thinking to myself, what would it be like to, for me, what would I be thinking about if I never, ever had a dog, if I never had a puppy? And it was almost something I couldn't fathom. No, I, and I've been doing, so Will, I've been preparing for a few things. Firstly, I've been preparing for our Saturday morning talks on the puppies. And then I've also been preparing for working with Hana as, uh, as she prepares for the puppy. And I've run into that exact same issue. Because it's, it's just so second nature. Exactly. For us. Exactly. We, it's something that we don't even think about. It's just, it's a given, okay? Right. Um, so, you know, one of the things with, I don't care whether you're training a puppy, whether you're training an adult dog, communication is key. Being Everything able is to have clear and concise and precise communication is everything. And so one of the first things that I have to talk about is marker training and creating a marker system. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so what exactly is a marker? So a marker is just something that signals to the dog that they are getting a reward. And we use that marker to signal to the dog they're getting a reward at the exact moment they're doing the behavior that we want. Now, that marker uh, is something that we first have to condition. And how would you do that? Well, as far as conditioning a marker, first of all, you got to pick it. Some people use a clicker as their marker. Right. Um, some people use a word like yes. But let's say you were using a word like yes as your marker. Yes doesn't mean anything to the puppy. Mm -hmm. But if you took 30 little tiny pieces of very high-value food rewards, say cut up chicken, and you were to go, yes, give a treat immediately. Yes, give another treat immediately. Yes, give another treat. You start conditioning the puppy to understand that yes means treat. Okay, you bridge them together. Dogs, puppies, they learn by association. That's classical conditioning. Now, question, can you only have one marker? Absolutely not. You, you could have, have multiple markers yeah. if you okay. want. But it, it's best to start out with one because it, it, if you don't properly condition the mm -hmm. first marker, it's not going to be as effective. So until until you the dog really understands the task, we want one marker. Okay. So... When it comes to, you know, the marker, you take about three days and each day you take 30 high value pieces of food and you'll just do this, you know, in a row. Yes, treat. Yes, give a treat. Say yes, give another treat. Yes, give another treat. And once we've got it conditioned, again, it usually takes about three days, 30 treats in a row doing yes, treat, yes, treat. Then say on day four, you just test it. You happen to just randomly say yes. And then here comes the puppy running to you looking for food. Well, if that happens, you know that the puppy knows and has been conditioned that yes means treat. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and, and now once we've got that established, when a dog's doing something we want, let's say the puppy's peeing outside. We want to teach potty training, right? Well, we want to reward that puppy at the exact moment. So when we say yes, 
it will identify to that puppy in that exact moment, hey, I'm getting a food reward. See, here's the thing. Timing's everything in training. You've got zero to a half a second to get that food reward in that puppy's mouth in order for them to connect the dots cognitively. Why am I getting this food reward? You know, a lot of people use food in training. But their timing's off. They don't get the food in the puppy's mouth within zero to a half a second. And so they're really not, in a strong way, reinforcing the behavior. Oh, the overall experience is more pleasant. There's mm-hmm. food. You know, it's like going to a party with or without food. Okay. The parties with the food are usually right. better. <laughs> now, okay. now the thing is, Will, though, and obviously I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it. If I only have zero to half a second to mark this dog, how am I, you know, what... That's that's even I myself I find it really hard to get into my treat pouch and put food into a dog's that's mouth exactly within half a why we have the conditioned marker Precisely. we do not have to worry about that zero to a half a second when we have a marker because that marker word allows us to be a little bit late with the food reward right. when we're really not late because mm-hmm. the signal that the dog got that marker if we were using the word yes Soon as we say yes, the dog knows, ah, I'm getting a treat. And, and the reason we use that marker is because just what you said, Jordan, it's darn near impossible to get that food reward in a puppy in a dog's mouth in zero to a half a second. Even when you're standing right in front of them, it's pretty hard. And, and what if they're at a distance? Exactly. You can't. Exactly. So having a marker system in place when you train is absolutely critical. Um, so what are what else are some of the benefits to marker training? Well, the benefits are again that clear, concise, and precise communication. Um, the puppy's going to learn faster. You know, it's like if you and I are talking and I'm speaking, you know, really bad broken English, mm-hmm. it's going to take us a lot more time for us to understand each other as far as what are you trying to tell me. Mm-hmm. And so when communication is more black and white, when it's precise, when it's concise like that, um, and it's very black and white because that's the way the puppy's brains work. Dogs are very black and white cause and effect creatures as far as how they make sense out of the world. So um, great timing, great communication. Um, they're going to learn faster. Absolutely. That's one of the biggest benefits is they're going to understand and learn faster. Absolutely. So besides the word yes, what else could you use as a marker? You could use anything you want. You could say banana if you really wanted Can. to. Can. But nice. you know, people will use a clicker. Some, and, and yes has often been a marker word. Um, I've had a deaf dogs I've trained, and the thumbs up signal was the marker. Mm-hmm. There was a visual marker. We went thumbs up, treat, thumbs up, treat, thumbs up, treat. Mm-hmm. And they learn it that way. All right. We actually have a caller on the line if you want to take that now. Well, we are going to be heading to break in what? What do we, how much time we've got? We're wrapping up. Yeah. We're going to, we'll take, who's our caller, by the way? Becky and Phoenix. We got a caller, Becky and Phoenix. And Becky, we're going to take your call when we come back from the break because we've got to take a break, uh, to hear from our sponsors. Um, and then when we come back, we will take Becky's call. And we will get back into uh, our puppy training 101. Um, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I like to lick everybody when they come to my door. I'll eat anything if it falls on the floor. Now, I've heard the rumors. I think I better ask. I heard I might be a dog. Won't somebody 
tell you what, I hope when I come back, I come back as a dog with a really good owner like what my dogs get to experience every day, I'll tell you what. I'm your host, Will Bangura. Thanks for staying with us. If you are just joining us, you are listening to Pet Talk today here on the Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Also, you can join us on Facebook Every Saturday, we do Facebook Live, and also, after every show that we do on Saturdays, we record them, we upload them to the Pet Talk Today podcast. If you are not a subscriber to our podcast, please go to any one of the podcast hosting formats, subscribe to Pet Talk Today, be sure to never miss an episode. And if you like what we're doing, please, please Give us a review. If you listen to our podcast, go to one of the podcast uh, hosting sites and give us a review. We really, really appreciate that. Yes, and we actually have two callers on the line. We have Becky and Brenda, but first we'll take Becky and Phoenix. All right, Becky, welcome to Pet Talk today. How can we help you? Do you have a question for us? Uh, good morning. Good yes, morning. I, I have a question. I have two cats, and... Every time when it's time to go to bed, it's like party time. They just literally just start running around, jumping up and down, and they do that every single night. Has that been going on for a long time? Yes. How long has that been going on for? Um, I would say over a year. Okay. And how long did you have them before that started? Um, we actually, the first cat, we had her for about, maybe about eight months. She mm-hmm. was, um, we had her first and then the next one came along. And so we had both cats for about two years now. Okay. So now, they, let me ask you a question. In conjunction to this behavior, how much time either before or after feeding does this happen? It's like right when we we feed them, we play with them, and then we turn the lights off, we say goodnight, and they just go bonkers. Okay. It never, it never fell. Right, right. And, and so you're telling me that you play with them right before this happens, and so that tells me that they're conditioned and they're not ready to stop playing. You need to change up when your playtime is. Okay, if you get them all jacked up before you go to bed, they're going to be all jacked up before you go to bed. I mean, that that's, you know, just what it is. So my recommendation to you would be to make sure that you're doing your playtime at least two hours before you retire for the evening. At least two hours before you retire for the evening. Okay, um, and then when they start getting wild... Initially, you need to ignore it completely because any attention is attention. Any attention is reinforcing that behavior. Now, when you do play with them, let's make that play a little more rigorous. Let's go get like a little flirt pole, one of those poles with a string on it that have a toy that can be moved back and forth really quickly. All right. And and do that. And then my suggestion is you said that you feed and play. Play. Then feed. Play and then feed. But you're going to be feeding earlier and you're going to be getting that play done earlier as well. Give that a shot. If you do that, <clears throat> I guarantee you within 30 to 60 days that behavior is going to stop. 
And we have Brenda and Mesa on the line. Brenda, Mesa, where I'm from, the wonderful city of Mesa. How are you, Brenda? Welcome to Pet Talk today. Hi, good morning. Uh, I was calling in. Uh, we're having problems. We, we just got a rescue puppy about three weeks ago, and this was the second time she's gotten, uh, when we opened the door, that she's gotten out of the fence and ran and just starts running. And yesterday she was on a busy road and we couldn't catch her. And we finally had somebody pull over to help us. But she's just, she's, I called in last week. She's just got so much separation anxiety. So she senses when we're going to leave. And I was just wondering, you gave me some tips last week on the separation anxiety. But um, if she's running away, how old is the puppy? Uh, so a year and a half. A year and a half. Okay, so we have an an adult dog. Yeah, but yeah. um, so if she's running away, if it's that frantic, if the separation anxiety is so bad, she's running away. Is that what you're telling me, or am I mixing this up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If it's that severe, you need to you need to see your veterinarian. You need to see your veterinarian. Um, you need to get some medication. But in conjunction with the behavior modification plan, all right? You need to, if it's that severe in your, because the dog could get killed, when it's that severe, you need to contact a professional, get some help with the behavior modification. Um, also talk, like I said, talk to your vet, get some medication, but the medication by itself isn't going to do anything. Um, you've got to do the behavior modification along with uh, the medication. If uh, if you can't find somebody who specializes in separation anxiety, you can contact my company, Phoenix Dog Training, and you can get more information by going to phoenixdogtraining.com. Okay? All right. So back to the, the puppy talk, What what is the first thing that you would want to teach a new puppy? Well, that's a great question. After you teach them what a marker is, after you've conditioned the marker, now you've got a communication system, the first thing that you want to teach is name recognition. Okay, And that's really simple. You just begin to say the puppy's name. Okay, I'll use my current dog, Boo. You just go, Boo, Boo. Now, whether on the first time you say the name or the second or whatever, when you say the name, when the puppy looks at you, makes eye contact, you're going to mark with your marker, whether that's yes, whether it's a click, and reward. So name recognition is the first thing, because before we can teach anything, we need their attention, don't we? Mm -hmm. So their name should mean one thing and one thing only, and that means look at me. Yep. Now I have a question. Okay. Okay. So if you have a bag of treats... Your okay. dog's always going to be looking at you. Mm, your dog's going to be looking yeah. at that bag of treats. And not at you. Okay. We're talking about when I say when I say boo, for example. Mm-hmm. When I say boo, I'm not asking for the dog to look into my direction. I'm actually asking for the dog to look at me, make eye, eye contact. contact. That's a big difference, right? Okay. And so, additionally, yeah, your dog is going to get the game very, very fast. And what you're going to realize is you're going to have a dog that is sitting there right in front of you tail wagging and it's just looking up in your eyes just staring at you at that point you make noise behind the dog you get another person to distract exactly and then when the dog looks away you go boo boo and the dog's gonna look back mark and reward it's very very simple now there are some other little nuances that we're not going to get into today i would have to do you know probably a whole show just on marker training and mechanics Right. Mm-hmm. But briefly, 
Um, if you have food in your hand after you've conditioned the marker, you know, when you start training and you start rewarding dog, dogs for doing things, you need to have a treat pouch. The food needs to stay in that treat pouch. You never reach for the food until after you have marked. Now, I'll, I'll say it. Yeah, because what happens is they're going to watch the hand. They're going to watch the treat pouch. And what we want the dog to do is watch you and be waiting for the marker word. You need to be what's important, not the okay. food. Because when you say the marker, it's a given. The food's going to come. Okay. What about the second thing you would teach a puppy? Well, you know, one of the things that we have to do is be able to move the puppy around. Right. Okay. We're going to want the puppy to come with us. And I say come with us because... You know, it's a little bit different than, than teaching a formal recall or a come command. But I begin to use food as a reward, and I begin to lure the dog to come into me. So part of when I'm doing the marker conditioning, the yes treat, with a puppy, once they get it, after I yes and treat and I'm close to the puppy's mouth, I take some real fast steps back. And as the puppy starts to come into me, I will label that behavior as the puppy's coming in. I say, come. And then I'll say, yes. And then I will reward the puppy. And so one of the first things, again, is teaching that come command. Now, I'm creating the behavior with the lure and with my body moving backwards. I'm not asking for come yet because the puppy doesn't know it. I've got to make the associations first. And so... When you're training a dog and they don't know the behavior, your job is to make that behavior happen. In this case, I'm using a food reward lure, pulling it away from the dog's mouth, moving backwards very quickly. The dog's going to then move into me. As the dog then offers that behavior, I go ahead and say, come, I'm labeling that behavior. I mark with my marker, whether that's yes, whether it's a clicker or a different kind of marker, and then I reward the dog. We've got to take a quick break to go to news, but when we come back, we'll be taking more of your calls and talking more about puppy training. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Would you like to go on walkies? Welcome back, everybody. I'm Will Bangura. Thanks for staying with us. If you are just joining us, you're listening to Pet Talk today here on 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. In addition to taking your calls, uh, we are on Facebook Live. If you are on Facebook, please join us. You can go to Pet Talk today. And join us on Facebook Live. Also, please subscribe to our podcast. Don't ever miss an episode of Pet Talk today. Go to any one of the hosting platforms, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. We're up there. Do a search for Pet Talk today. Subscribe. Please give us a great review as well. We love your reviews. Um, 
We are talking about puppies today, Puppy Training 101. And before we went to break, we were talking about, you know, what's the second thing? You know, after you teach name recognition, what's the next thing you're going to do? And I was talking about beginning that process of encouraging the puppy to move towards me, labeling that come, marking and rewarding that. The other thing is um, we may have to move the puppy around physically. And anytime you put a leash on a dog, the first thing they do is they put the brakes on. And so what we've got to do is we've got to teach what leash pressure means. And it means, hey, if there's a little pressure on the leash, move in that direction. Well, the first thing, you got to have good mechanics. you got to have straight line pressure. What that means is it's not angled. It's horizontal to the ground. It's parallel. It's at the puppy's neck level, the leash, and you give a quick tug and a relaxed leash. So you give that little quick tug, then put all the slack back in that leash. You just want the puppy to move like an inch. And when the puppy moves an inch, you mark and you reward. And then you do that again. Give just a little tug on the leash, get that puppy to move an inch, mark and reward. Do that several times and before you know it, all of a sudden the puppy's like, okay, I get it. When I feel leash pressure, I just move in that direction and hey, wonderful things happen. I get a food reward. So how are dogs motivated? Well, you know, dogs are motivated. Puppies, dogs, doesn't matter. And for all that matters, any animal, animal, okay, is motivated by rewards and consequences. That's right. And so when we're talking about, you know, motivating and what motivates and changes behavior, well, when there's consistent motivators, whether that be a consistent consequence that is paired with a behavior we don't want, that's going to shape the dog's behavior to not want to do that if something unpleasant is happening. If something pleasant, like a food reward, is happening every time a dog or puppy does a behavior, that reinforces that behavior. They're more likely to want to do it again. They're more likely to want to repeat that behavior. So rewards and consequences are basically how they're motivated. When or how often should you reward? Oh, my gosh. Can I answer this one? Absolutely. All the time. All the time. So we are rewarding our dogs every single time that they do the desired behavior, whether we asked for it or not in the beginning. So that's where what Will was talking about labeling. We also use a system called capturing. If your Mm -hmm. dog, somebody comes to the front door and knocks and your dog doesn't go crazy and goes barking at the door. I'm going to mark and reward because that's a desired behavior. If I ask my dog to sit, my dog sits. I'm going to mark and reward. If I ask my dog to lay down and my dog lays down, I'm going to mark and reward. You're going to be giving your dog so much food reward (laughs) that you might have to cut back on the amount of kibble that you're giving your dog. Let me put it this way. If you don't have to cut back, you're not doing enough rewarding and training. Exactly. Okay. Because the whole puppy's day should be nothing more than a training session. Everything is a trainable moment if you look at it from the right perspective. Okay. Well, then how how would you correct unwanted behavior? Well, let's let's talk about that as well. So, when it comes to correcting an unwanted behavior, the first thing I'm going to want to do is teach a dog how to do things. I want the dog to be motivated by me. Or whatever tool it is that I'm using. It doesn't matter if I'm using my voice. It doesn't matter if I'm using the leash. It doesn't matter if I'm using choke chains, pinch collars, martingales, e-collars. It does not matter what the tool is that you're using. You always want it to motivate the dog to do something first. Just like Will was saying with the leash, 
dogs have this innate reflex to just put on those brakes and fight against you whenever you put that tension on the leash. Mm-hmm. And so we teach them that, hey, this little tug means move in Let's this go. direction. Okay. Exactly. Same exact thing with uh any other tool that we're using in training. We want the dog to want to feel that tool and be like, oh, I need to do something. But now when it comes to correcting an unwanted behavior, mm-hmm. we need to make sure that that it is in fact a correction. Okay. Let's talk about nipping, jumping, biting, barking, digging, scratching, chewing, things like that. Those nuisance. nuisance. Yes, yep. exactly. Nuisance behaviors. Whenever your dog is doing it, you can be like, hey, bud, stop doing that. And the dog might be like, okay, mom, I'm going to stop. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. But what did we just do? We interrupted that behavior. Yeah. The dog didn't learn anything. Didn't learn anything at all. It needs to be un. Pleasant. Now, I'm not saying beat your dogs. I'm not saying to harm your dogs, hurt your dogs. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be like one of those, whoa, my bad, mom. You know, when it comes to a young puppy, yeah. I mean, most of the time, if you give a good, firm, verbal no, no, um, and it's loud enough and it's sharp enough, okay, they're going to show a little bit of concern. Yep. And if you don't see that little bit of concern, if you don't see just a tiny bit of, uh, what was that? It was probably too mild. It was probably just an interruption. Now, yep. as Jordan said, you know, we got to temper this correction. If the dog is scared to death and goes running and hiding underneath the bed for the next half an hour, obviously that was way too much. Right. Every dog's got a different temperament. Some are soft dogs and you've got to be very mild. Some are hard dogs and you've got to be a whole lot firmer for them. So I have another just super quick question. Sure. How can you tell the difference between a correction and an interruption? Again, you look at the puppy, you look at the dog. How are they responding? Okay. You know, if if it should be something unpleasant, right? Mm-hmm. So if they're responding, their body language is like, hey, this is the most wonderful, greatest thing in the world. If they don't show a little concern right at the instant you say, nope, then they should be a little bit like, behavior. they should be like, whoa, what was that? If if it's just one of those, you're like, you're like, nope. And the dog is like. Spits it out and then just goes about its day. That's how you know. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, that's how you're going to know. We have a caller on the line. We have Roman. Roman. Roman, welcome to Pet Talk today. How can we help you? Hi, guys. Hey. Uh, I have a puppy question, okay. uh, but it's more like training your grandchild or your child instead of the puppy. Okay. Uh, I have a granddaughter who is in her late teens and she wants to buy. Her own puppy is she wants a purebred, but this purebred puppy is going to cost her like $3,000, which she cannot afford. Okay. Uh, is is $3,000 an unreasonable amount for a purebred, or can you just get a regular puppy for a lot less than that? Well, Roman, the, the thing is um, it depends on a lot of different things. I'd have to see the dog's pedigree. I'd have to know what breed we're talking because there are purebreds out there that $3,000, I'd be like, what? That's a steal. You know, it, it, it depends. There's, there's purebred puppies out there that would go for 10 grand plus. And then there are some that, that would be a lot of money. Exactly. For. So, it, you know, it depends if, on a lot if, of things. If, if that's a uh, Frenchie, that's not a bad price. Right. Okay. If it's a French bulldog, it's not a bad price. You know, if, uh, uh, we're talking about, you know, um, everyday happy go lucky golden retriever. Yeah. Um, that would be, I would consider that to be maybe, you know, a little, a little bit high. Yeah. You know, I might think 1700, two grand, yeah. 2500 for, for golden. Um, 
Chocolate pure, lab, not hunting background right, pedigree. Non-hunting, yeah, non-hunting. non-hunting that'd be a little non-working expensive. Dog, non, yeah. Non-working dog. But, but yeah, so purebreds can be expensive. I think a lot of people get sticker shock when they start, you know, looking at that. Now, what you want to do is you want to stay away from Craigslist. You want to stay away from these people that are not legitimate professional breeders that are doing that for a livelihood. You know, we got a lot of backyard breeders and they don't know what they're doing. And, you know, it's not just as simple as, okay, let the dogs mate, let the puppies be born and let them do their thing. And at eight weeks, you know, start handing them out to people. Um, the f- Three weeks to 12 weeks is this yep. critical socialization period. And I got to tell you, most puppies do not get what they should get. They do not get what they need when they're with the breeders. If there's anybody that needs education, this might be something that we begin to yeah. do. Um, Good idea. Educating breeders because they could be producing a lot more stable puppies with that. Um, yeah. They don't have to. Um, they don't have to necessarily. So what I'm. Yeah, go ahead. What I'm getting from you is uh, don't be buying through Craigslist. Be right. Buying through and, because yeah. the thing is, okay. Roman, if you do it that way, right, you're going to spend, you know, two, three hundred bucks on that dog. But then at the end of the day, you're going to be hiring Phoenix Dog Training to <laughs> fix the behavioral problem. And it would be as if you bought the purebred a lot of time they've got genetic issues exactly they're inbreeding and things of that nature so you know yes it's a big investment to get a purebred dog from a really good breeder but it's like anything else in life you know Uh, sometimes you get what you pay for and then again sometimes people are paying a lot of money for puppies and you know don't go to a uh, pet store Pet stores charge an arm and a leg, and, and they're getting their puppies from puppy mills, like in yep. Missouri or something like that. And and so um, that's another thing that you want to stay away from. Um, but okay. you could always go Thanks. to the shelters, and you could always rescue a dog as well. they got some great dogs. You could go to different rescue organizations, whatever kind of breed she was looking at. Hey, do a Google search for that breed, Phoenix Rescue, um, and you might find some there as well. Okay, so... Hopefully that helps. Thank you much. You are very welcome. You're very welcome. We need to take a quick break here in just a second. Uh, We need to take some time to pay the bills, so we need to hear from our sponsors. Uh, But when we come back uh, from that break, um, we will be talking more about Puppy Training 101. What are the best practices to do when you get a new puppy? And... How can you make that new puppy thrive? You want to have the best relationship that you can have right from the start. We need to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, more of your calls, more talking about puppies. He never tells me that he's sick of this house. He never says, why don't you get off that couch? It don't cost me nothing when he wants to go out. I want you to love me like my dog. Ladies, love your man like you love your dog, and you will keep him forever, I guarantee it. I'm Will Bangura. I'm Jordan Marsteller. 
And, <laughs> and who are you? I'm Brittany Duchesne. Yes, you are. And you're listening to Pet Talk today here on 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. You can also join us on Facebook Live. Go to Facebook and do a search for Pet Talk today. Join us there. We're also answering Facebook questions uh, during the commercial breaks. We're doing that as well. Also, please subscribe to the podcast. You can go to Apple Podcasts. You can go to Google Podcasts. You can go to Spotify, Stitcher, any one of the podcast hosting platforms. Do a search for Pet Talk today. Subscribe to the podcast. Never miss one of our shows. Um, also, please Leave us a review. We absolutely love your reviews. So what is one of the most important things that a dog or puppy owner can do for to be successful? That's a great question because, you know, today's topic is all about puppy training 101. So what is the biggest thing that you could do to have success? The golden rule, if you will. And the golden rule is, Jordan, crate or supervise. And we are literally talking about supervising. That puppy needs to be in your eyesight. In your eyesight. And if that means putting a leash on it and tethering that leash to you, then that's what you do. Exactly. The puppy is in your eyesight at all times. And when you cannot watch the puppy, you're creating that puppy. You're confining the puppy. And the reason why is because they will get in trouble. They'll have accidents. They'll pee. They'll poop. They'll pick up stuff. They'll chew things up. They're going to get in trouble. And you know what? It's okay for a puppy to make a mistake because they don't know what they should and shouldn't do. But it's not okay for them to make a mistake and us not to see it and there not be a consequence in the act when the puppy is doing it. If we cannot be there to see the problem, we can't be there to correct it. We can't be there to correct it. They're not learning not to do it. They are learning to repeat that behavior because there's a benefit for that unwanted behavior. So the golden rule again, Jordan. Rate or supervise. Literally. Supervise literally, Brittany. or confine. If that dog is not connected to your hip, if you are creating your own umbilical cord. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because this, Call it a behavioral umbilical cord. That's right. Cord. It's a behavioral umbilical cord. If you can't watch this dog, and I get it. I understand. I don't like putting my dog in the crate either. But here's the next thing. I'm not telling you to crate your dog all day, but I'm also not telling you to let your dog drive you bonkers all day. If yeah. you can't watch them, put them in If you're the doing crate. a good job with your puppy, you should be exhausted. Exactly. You are pretty much just watching them, okay? Um, I told my wife, take off for a month. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, I can't do that. I'm like, you have to. You know, and I realize people can't take off for a month. Right. I wish they could mm-hmm. because that's what you really need. If you want the quickest fix in the, the well, most, just the, that. They, they, they're brand new to this exactly. world. Exactly, they, they need us. You know, you know, how much family leave do you get when when you're pregnant? I mean, they should give family Gosh. leave for these dogs as well. Yeah, okay, not a lot, <laughs> not a lot. But you know, we need to spend time with them, and you're going to get burnt out if you are doing a good job watching that puppy. You're going to get tired. You're going to get exhausted. Use mm-hmm. the crate, like Jordan said. Yep. Don't feel guilty. And you know what happens? You're going to start to get tired. You'll be sitting down. You'll be on the couch. If you're like me, the TV's on, you start dozing the minute that TV goes on, okay? Mm -hmm. You start finding yourself falling asleep. Get up, put the puppy in the crate. You know you're not going to be able to watch the puppy. Mm -hmm. Right. If there's an important phone call and you've got to focus on that call, you need to tell the caller, hold on one second, be right back. 
and go march that puppy into that crate. <laughs> you just ordered a new entertainment stand from Amazon same day shipping and it's got four packages all in one. Amazon guy comes to the door. Hang on one second. Put your dog into the crate and get that into the house. Build your shelf. No. Then bring your dog out of the crate. I don't want your puppy living in that crate. That's right. not an excuse for you to be lazy. But we need to use the crate a lot. It also is going to help the puppy to develop its own self-confidence. Right. It's going to learn to start to have some self-soothing. Frustration control. Okay. They need that. They need their own space, and we need to begin that process right away. We're going to talk more about crate training, and heck, we could spend an entire show uh, just on crate training, so we'll, we can come back to that. Well, kind of, I guess, addition to the, the crate training is the accidents, and I know you have an entire episode on potty training, but how how often should you feed and give water to your dog? Well, typically, you know, if you've got a young puppy that's under six months, my rule of thumb is you feed them three times a day okay. if they're oh, under wow. six months. I did not know that. From six months to 12 months, I'm going to feed them twice a day. If they're a smaller breed dog, I will continue to feed them twice a day. If I've got a large breed dog, I prefer to feed them twice a day, but if you wanted, you could get away with feeding them once a day. The smaller breeds, you're going to mess with their blood sugar if you're only feeding them once, once a day. Now, I know in the wild, they didn't always get to eat, but you know... They were having little blood sugar issues. We also didn't have chihuahuas running exactly. around in the wild. We didn't have chihuahuas running around. So um, when it comes to feeding, again, young puppies under six months of age, I'm going to feed them three times a day. If they're over six months, I'm going to feed them twice a day. And typically I'll keep them at twice a day Yeah, um, with that as well. Is there anything else that you should look at when with Well, when it comes to food, here's the thing. You find a food and you stick with it. Don't start switching food up. Don't start putting little toppers on the food to entice them to eat. Don't put gravy in there and start doing all kinds of things. You're going to make that puppy or dog very finicky. And the thing that you also want to do is don't free feed. Feed on a schedule. Scheduled feeding. Okay? Put the food down for five minutes, then pick it up. I don't care what they ate or didn't eat. All right. At the next feeding, put it down again. Five minutes. I don't care what they eat, what they didn't eat. The third feeding of the day, put it down again. Five minutes. They're going to learn very quickly. Eat now. This is when the food comes. So we don't get a finicky eater. The other thing, because we know we've got to crate train a puppy, why not begin by putting the food bowl in, in that crate, crate and have the puppy eat in the crate? So now... One of the first things we're doing is we're pairing something fun, something yummy, something wonderful food with being in that crate. That's right. All right. We're not shutting the door yet. No. We're just feeding them in the crate. That's Maybe after a couple of weeks, you might close the door just when the dog is eating, and that's it. But as soon as the dog's done eating, we open the door again. Mm-hmm. And it's just to start slowly conditioning the dog to that door being closed. Also, let me talk about feeding, okay? Dogs don't need snacks. Oh, my goodness, no. All right? What do you say about snacks? Oh, my gosh, that's right. Dogs don't snack. People snack because we're fatties. Because we're fatties. Exactly. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. So the thing about it is um, dogs will do fine just on their dog food. They don't need snacks. Anytime the dog's getting a snack, it's for your emotional well-being, the human's emotional well-being. You feel like, I got to give my dog a snack. Now- Food rewards. 
Food rewards is something that they absolutely need, but those are rewards for training. Those are rewards for doing a correct, appropriate behavior. And those should be very high value. Those should be like cooked, cut up chicken, cooked, cut up steak, something like that. But tiny. They should be very tiny. When you've got a food reward for training, it should be about the size of a pea. And... Again, if you're doing a lot of training, then your puppy or dog's getting a lot of food rewards because we want to mark and reward every correct behavior. And we probably are going to need to cut back on their regular dog food. And that's okay. I wouldn't have even thought about that. And it's okay to do that. And in some cases, if you've got a puppy or a dog that's like incredibly food motivated, like let's say you got a lab puppy, okay? Mm-hmm. And most labs are like, they've got this voracious, uh, appetite. You might be able to just, let's say you're feeding kibble. You might be able to just use their kibble all day long to reward for correct behaviors and they may earn their meal. That's right. You know, the day. one mark and reward at a time or mark and, and give, you know, five pieces of kibble or something like that. And now the thing is, I know we're running out of time, Will, but I do want to say something about that. If that is the route that you decide to go, folks, you have to, have to, have to make sure that you are giving lots and lots of marks and rewards throughout the day. Absolutely. Well, we are just about out of time. Um, it's been a great show. Jo- Jordan, thank yep, you. Of course. Brittany, thank you. Thank thank you. you. Thank you. We want to thank our college. did it. We are going to be talking more about puppies next week. Um, hopefully you got a lot out of this. Um, we need to go ahead and uh, exit. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay cool. We'll see you next week. Arizona, 1100 KFNX, Phoenix.